Hey, thanks for listening to the CMC podcast. My name is Noah Tice, and I'm the media director here at CMC. And before we get into our message, I just wanted to plug our young adult ministry, Applied Life Leaders Academy. If you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you'll know that CMC is always about the next generation of leaders. And so Applied Life Leaders Academy has been a major part of our mission for over 37 years. As an alumni of the program, I can tell you that if you know a young person with a call of leadership on their life who has a desire to grow in their personal purpose and ministry, Applied Life is a perfect fit. And for more information, visit AppliedLife.com and follow us on all social media platforms at Applied Life Leaders Academy. And now for a sermon by Pastor Paul Kern. I get the privilege of getting to be around a lot of our young adults. and Man, it's just so awesome getting to hear them worship most every day. You know, they're in a track and they're learning how to lead worship. And I'm so grateful that they're under Lucas. He is just such a, he's got a heart for worship, a heart for the Lord, and a lot of wisdom. So it's great to have him under such a good leader in our church. Well, Uh, If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, you can. As our lead pastor often says, it ought to just fall open uh, to that place. Now, uh, in this session in Heroes of Faith, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And Joseph is one of my heroes. Um, He is a man that I look to quite a bit. And um, I want to encourage you this week, go go and read about Joseph's life. It's, It's not a long read. Um, And try to just read it all at one time if you can. Just read the whole thing in one moment. Really, really, really good. Great story to read. So much encouragement and insight. But there are some really interesting parallels to the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus. I don't know if y'all have ever really kind of looked at the parallels because there's a lot of type and shadow in the Old Testament. And so I'm just going to share. This doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm talking about tonight. This is like free. This is extra, Um, but just some interesting uh, information. Joseph was especially loved by his father, and so was Jesus. Amen. Joseph was hated and sold by his brethren, as was the Lord Jesus. Same thing happened to him. Judas Iscariot betrayed him. Joseph was unjustly condemned, as was the Lord Jesus. Exact same thing. Joseph was raised to a position of great power and authority, as was the Lord Jesus. Joseph became a blessing to the Gentiles, and he took a Gentile bride, and so did Jesus. Joseph concealed and revealed his identity to his brethren, and so did Jesus. You remember after the resurrection, Jesus had to, he kind of secretly concealed himself, and then he revealed himself, so Joseph did the same thing. And then lastly, Joseph assured his brethren of his unchanging love, and the Lord Jesus does the same thing for us. Isn't that neat? There's a lot of parallels there uh, with Joseph and Jesus and those types and shadows. Well, in Hebrews 11.22, this, this verse refers to the end of Joseph's life, but at the same time, it sums up what had been for Joseph a long life in which a principle of faith persisted in his life. And Hebrews eleven twenty two says, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. And he even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. And so we can definitely say about Joseph is he had persistent faith. And that's, 
really an aspect of Joseph's faith that I want to focus on tonight because, you know, Joseph's encouraged me many, many times. I'll go to, I will go and read about his life and the circumstances that he faced when I have found myself in difficult situations and allowed Joseph in his life to encourage me. And, um, you know, the, the quality of faith that Joseph had is only produced through time and testing. You know, you're not going to get, that's not an infant faith. You know, that's not a baby faith. I think Hetty called it a puffy faith. That's not a puffy faith. It's a real faith. It, it's a faith that um, helps you navigate life, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the sunny days, the stormy days, and Joseph had all of those. Um, but, but I think as a result of time and testing, if you keep your head on your shoulders right, you can come out on the other side with some real persistent faith. But, but, but make no mistake about it, you're going to be affected by the events of life. You're, you're not going to escape that. Nobody can. But here's, here's the power that you have in your hands. You have the ability to determine how it's going to affect your life. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? And, um, it, it, you know, it's either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. You get to decide yourself what the outcome of that is going to be. So I want to look at this persistent faith that Joseph had. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you seven qualities of persistent faith. Just as I was reading through and looking at his life, I, I, I gleaned this from him, and this is something that's always encouraged me. But number one, persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. It's not shaken by adversity. Um, if you want to go to Genesis 37, this is where we can read about uh, his life. Genesis 37, and um, we'll, we'll look at verse 3. We'll start out there with verse 3. But, but we read that Joseph was the favorite son of his father Jacob. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 11 tell us that his brothers hated him. Verse 18 tells us that they decided to kill him. Um, and that, you know, on the suggestion of Reuben, they didn't. They threw him in a pit instead, which is still, you know, golly, how hurtful could that possibly be to have your own siblings do that to you? But if you look down in Genesis 37, verse 20, it says, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams, you know, because obviously Joseph shared these dreams about, you know, them bowing down before him and him being a leader, you know, and they didn't like that. That didn't get them excited. He thought that that would excite them, <laughs> but it didn't excite them. Um, and then verse 21, but when Reuben heard of their scheme, <clears throat> he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern in the wilderness. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him. And I don't know what was, is worse. You know, I, I appreciate Reuben not wanting to lay a hand on him, but you're going to throw me in a pit and let me starve and thirst to death for days on end? I mean, just go ahead and kill me. It'd be quicker. So I don't know what he was thinking there, but anyway, maybe he was praying that he would be rescued. 
Well, then he'll die without us laying hands on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe that he was wearing. They grabbed him, threw him into the cistern, and now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. And so, you know, if it wasn't bad enough that your brothers betrayed you and threw you in a cistern out in the wilderness, um, some travelers came through and they took him as a slave and carried him from his homeland into Egypt where he became a slave in Potiphar's house. And, um, you know, those, those kinds of circumstances could shake anybody's faith. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I try to put my shoes in their sandals, so to speak, you know. How would I react? How would I feel? What would I think if I was in such a difficult situation as what Joseph found himself in? And I think those kinds of situations are would shake anybody, um, but they didn't shake Joseph. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he succeeded in everything that he did. And, and notice, notice in the scripture, you don't hear Joseph saying things like, everybody's against me. Nothing's going my way. Nothing ever works out. I can't believe this happened to me. What did I do to deserve this, you know? Or God, you know, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did you do this to me? You don't hear Joseph saying, saying any of those things. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? And even at a young age, Joseph was beginning to develop a faith in God that was going to carry him through his entire lifetime and all these events that he was going to encounter in his life. And the fact of the matter is, Joseph, you know, faith did not exempt Joseph from experiencing tears, homesickness, heartache, loss, sorrow, distress. But what it did do is it brought God close to him as he walked through all these things. And see, that's, that's the, one of the great gifts of faith. Faith will gift you with God's presence and God's peace as you walk in faith. You, you can be going through some really stressful, difficult moments in your life, but if you put your faith in God, you put your faith in what God says, It'll bring you peace and it'll bring you close. And it was, it was his faith in God that was unshaken by these trials that he went through. Number two, persistent faith is not spoiled by success or prosperity. Persistent faith is not spoiled by success or prosperity. In uh, Genesis 39, Verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household, everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. 
So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what he was going to have for dinner. <laughs> I mean, God was blessing Joseph. And because Joseph had faith in God and he was godly, he even blessed his master, who wasn't even in covenant with God. And so, you know, I, I think that we have to be really careful when we get in a place of prosperity or we get in a place of where things are really going well. You know what I'm saying? You got money in the bank. You, you got your health. Life's going pretty good. Your kids aren't acting out. Things are good in school. You know, everything's going okay. You don't really have need of anything. You don't really have to pray earnestly. You don't really have to seek the Lord for things. You're not really pressing in your secret place, you know, because things are just going good. And I think it's in these moments, you got to be really, really careful because these are dangerous times. I remember T.D. Jakes many, many years ago, he preached the message, Can You Stand the Blessing? And he talked about how so many people, and he gave many, many examples of people who they were blessed, but, but in the blessing, it became a curse. And we've got to be so careful. Joseph became prime minister in Egypt, and he was exalted to the highest position in the land. But through all of his success and all of his prosperity, his faith persisted. And one attribute that you see that's really made evident through his faith in God were these, these successes did not take away Joseph's sense of dependence upon the Lord. Even though he was being blessed and even though he was prospering, even though all of his needs were met, he kept that humble attitude of, God, you have blessed me with everything I have. You have given me and prospered me in all that I have. And he kept his focus on the Lord. So we just have to be so careful that we don't allow our faith to become spoiled or weak when we're going through good times. Because there are going to be good times. Not, your whole life isn't going to be bad times, not unless you're just being really unwise and foolish. You know, but that's not who we are because we live by the word and we get, you know, the benefits of living by the principles in God's word. So, so we have to be so careful there. Number three, persistent faith is not moved by temptation. Persistent faith is not moved by temptation. In Genesis 39, um, Joseph had a dream of God exalting him, you know, with his brothers and, um, you, you can just know that um, any time that God sets out to bless you, the enemy's going to be there to curse you. You can just know that. Um, I'll, kind of an old saying is, with every new level, there's a new devil. <laughs> um, in Revelations, it talks about the, you know, the bride giving birth. I mean, what's talking about Mary giving birth to Jesus, and, and it says that, that the dragon was there waiting for the baby to be born. And, and when, you know, God is birthing things in your life or doing things in your life, you can just know that there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to abort that plan, stop that, that vision, that dream, that thing that God's wanting to do in your life. And so the enemy was out to try to take Joseph out. You know, he stirred up his brothers. They gave into jealousy. They gave into envy. They gave into hatred. Later on, 
after he was taken captive in Potiphar's house, everything was going good. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife started having, you know, uh, one translation says she started having longing eyes for Joseph. Now, that's probably not a good sign when you have a married woman looking at you with longing eyes. And so Joseph was like, you know, he did everything that he was supposed to do in that situation. He did not allow that temptation to cause his faith in God to waver and to cause him not to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 39, 9, it says, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And it goes on to say she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept her out of the way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came, she grabbed him um, by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And, and there's always gonna be temptation in your life to do wrong. You know, I tell our young adults, I say, listen, temptation is just as much an opportunity to do the right thing as it is to do the wrong thing. You know, and, and when temptation comes, and it's gonna to come to all of us, but you're, if you respond the right way, your faith will become more persistent. If you don't respond the right way, then your faith is gonna be weakened. But once again, you know, the devil has no power over us to make us sin. We've been freed from the power of sin. So literally, it becomes a choice in our life to do that. You know, I talk to young men about porn and, and you know, that's something that we discuss at Leaders Academy and, and, and I talk about how, you know, listen, God's with you wherever you're at. You know, as you're a parent, you know, you tell your children, God's with you wherever you go. I know I've heard Pastor Tim talk about his grandmother would say, God's watching you, God's watching you, you know, and, um, and that's true, and, and, and when we have persistent faith, we have an understanding that God is with us wherever we go. You know, I, I don't think anybody's tempted to get on their phone while the church service is going on and look at porn, or doing a worship service and look at porn. Why? Because in our minds, we're in God's house. We're in the presence of the Lord. But that's a, that's a wrong way of thinking, because you're in the presence of the Lord everywhere you go, all the time. God is in you, God is with you, God sees all that we do. Joseph recognized that, look, I could probably get away with this. I could probably sleep, sleep with her multiple times. We could keep it hidden and nobody would find out, but that wasn't what mattered to Joseph. What mattered to Joseph was that God, he knew that God would know. He knew that that would affect his his it wouldn't necessarily affect his relationship with God because, you know, God doesn't take his goodness from us because we sin. He doesn't take his love from us because we sin. But sin definitely affects fellowship. It, it, it gets right in the way of fellowship. And so Joseph recognized this, how important this was. And there's always going to be a temptation to do wrong. Cheat on a test, lie to a friend, 
steal from your work, give in to sexual sin. This is why it's so important that we're armed with the, with the, the, the armor of God every day. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that. Take up the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, shoes of peace, the sword of the spirit, shield of faith. You know, we, we armor ourselves for battle. We recognize that there is a battle. There's an old saying that goes, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. <laughs> to be forewarned is to be forearmed. So we've been forewarned. There is an enemy. John 10.10 says, the thief, his mission, help me, is to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And that can happen for us as we walk in faith. Number four, Persistent faith is not disturbed by unjust circumstances or false accusations. Persistent faith is not disturbed by unjust circumstances or false accusations. I mean, no sooner than Joseph had overcome that attack, another one came. He was falsely accused of doing something to Potiphar's wife that he hadn't done. I mean, he made the right decision, but he still got accused of something that he didn't do. I mean, his character was called into question. Nobody believed him. And because of this unjust accusation by this woman who literally lied, I mean, just lied about Joseph, he was thrown into prison. And, and I just want our church to understand, during your lifetime, you're most likely going to experience a false accusation about you. You are. I, I'll, I remember back when I was a principal of Christian Ministries Academy. And, and um, I had a meeting with some parents and this woman, I, I don't, she wasn't happy with me for whatever reason. I'm, well, I, I mean, I know why she wasn't happy with me, but it wasn't something that I had necessarily done. Um, but anyway, she accused me of stealing money from the church. I've been stealing money. And I was like, well, I said, that's a big accusation that you're making. And um, if, if that's what I'm doing, we need to get our lead pastor down here in my office right now because, you know, we need to address this. You need to address this. So I called Tim on the intercom and said, man, you need to come to my office. And um, he came down to my office and she, she made these, these false accusations about me. None of them were true. But, you know, it's just, okay, if, if that's what you're going to do, I'll just bring my boss down and let you say what you need to say. I remember another time, this was years ago. None of y'all would do this. Y'all are awesome. But I remember years ago, um, <laughs> we had helped a woman in our church, bought her an apartment, got her a car, paid some bills, helping her out, put a child through school for her, just really trying to help her. She was down on her luck and um, she started spreading rumors that um, Tim, our lead pastor, was having an affair with our secretary, which was news to me. I see him every day, I wasn't aware of that, but he was having an affair with our secretary and I knew about it and he bought the house across the street that I used to live in as hush money so that I wouldn't tell anybody what he was doing. 
that was the rumor that she had spread around the church with people. Now, how, how do you face something like that? How do you deal with something like that? And, and the reason I shared these things with you, because not that I'm gossiping, I'm not giving any names or anything, but I want you to understand how you navigate this, because it's important to know how to navigate things like this. Because it can be hard to hold on to God when you're falsely accused. You know, when you're trying to do the right thing and people make up stuff about you, when you're trying to pour out your life to help people and, and they turn things around. But I want you to notice, Joseph did not feel a need to defend himself. That's not what he did. Instead, he put his trust in the Lord. And what I've discovered, church, is if we will honor God and we will give it to God, God will fight our battles for us. You don't have to defend yourself. You know, we've had stuff said about our church over social media, and I've had people ask me, well, aren't you going to respond to that? Aren't you going to say something to that? And I'm like, no, I'm not responding to that at all. You know, if you're faced with some injustice or some false accusation, listen, here's what I encourage you to do. Number one, you spend time in earnest prayer with God because the main thing that the enemy wants to do is he wants to get a root of bitterness going in your heart and defile you because the fact is you know being in ministry you work with people all the time and the whole reason that you're in ministry is to love and help people but what the enemy wants to do he he wants to use the very people that God has called you to shepherd and love to cause you to be full of bitterness and hatred and that's what's taken many, many leaders out. I think that's what's taken people out of jobs. That's what's taken people out of positions of leadership and authority. That's what has caused division in homes and families. And so you just have to give it to God. You, you know, make your goal, okay, God, like David prayed, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, our whole goal is we face false accusations and people accuse us of things that are not true or we go through some unjust circumstances. You got fired for some reason. It wasn't even your fault. Don't let that get a hold of you and change your heart. You allow your faith in God to carry you through. You keep your focus on who is the author of your faith? Jesus. Who is the finisher of your faith? Jesus. Not people. Not your boss, not your family member, not even your pastor. And I mean, nobody. Jesus is the guy that we have to keep our eyes on even when we go through false accusations or some, you know, injustice in our life. Amen? Does that make sense? Number five. Number five. Persistent faith is not undone by broken promises. Persistent faith is not undone by broken promises. In Genesis chapter 40, and, you know, you can read that whole, almost that whole chapter, uh, Joseph's two fellow prisoners and Joseph's interpretation of their dreams and the butler promised to remember Joseph and, and that he didn't, he didn't fulfill his promise. He broke his promise to Joseph and he didn't remember him. So, so what did Joseph do? Did he say, you know, God let me down? You know, God, God, you let me down? No, that, that's not what he said. People are going to make promises to you, and they're going to break them. I'm just telling you right now, they're going to. I've had people make promises to me, 
and break them. I try not to break my promises, but I don't think I could probably say that I've never broken a promise. Probably at some point in my life, there's been a promise or two that I have not kept. But, but as we look at, at, at Joseph's life and we look at his response, Joseph took it all in stride. Because see, here's, jo- here's what Joseph knew. Joseph knew people. He knew people are not perfect. People are not God. People are going to make commitments to you and break them. You know, I tell young adults, you know, you're going to get in a lease with somebody for a year, and I mean two months into it, they're going to bail. They're going to commit to you. They're not going to follow through. They're going to make promises. They're not going to keep them. I mean, we've, we've had all kinds of things like that happen to us in our lifetimes. But, but if you look at Joseph, it didn't rattle him. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get mad. He didn't throw up walls. I'm never trusting anybody ever again, and I'm just going to throw up walls and keep people out of my life. No, Joseph didn't do that. You know, that wasn't what he did. Instead, he committed his life to God's care. He trusted God by faith, and he knew that God was bigger than any broken promise in his life. God was way bigger than any broken promise. The fact is, You know, if somebody promises you something and they don't come through, God can raise up somebody else to fulfill that promise. If that's what needs to happen, and if not, then what God wants you to do is learn how to navigate that and learn how to have a right heart in the midst of all of that. Joseph kept his eyes on his creator. He trusted God by faith, and, you know, even he knew that even though man may forget him, God never would forget him. God couldn't forget him because God's faithful to him. God's his father and he loves him and he's going to see him through. Number six, number six, persistent faith is not influenced by human reasoning. Man, this is a big one. Persistent faith is not influenced by human reasoning. In all of his experiences of adversity and sorrow, there's really no hint that Joseph ever questioned God's wisdom. Or, or God's decisions and what God was doing. You know, Joseph had been hated by his brethren, cast into a pit, sold into slavery in Egypt, assaulted, let down badly by a butler, but he knew God was still on the throne. And see, we've got to understand that in life, things are going to happen. Some things we're going to cause to happen by our own you know, bad choices and bad decisions, but then there's going to be things that just happen to you in life that are totally outside your control. You didn't have anything to do with them. But as we look at Joseph, he never abandoned his commitment to God, not even for a moment. In all that he went through, and man, he, he went through a lot. You know, we're looking at his lifetime and what he went through, and there are going to be many instances in your life where your mind is going to shout to you one thing and the Holy Spirit's going to whisper in your ear another. And you've got to learn to discern how God talks to you. God doesn't yell. God doesn't shout. That's what the enemy does. That's what your flesh does. That's what your mind will do. But God's always going to speak to you in your heart. When God speaks to you, you're going to feel it here and then it's going to translate here. It's not going to start here. Usually when it starts here, you need to be questioning what you're thinking because it needs to filter through the heart because that's where, you know, that's where the kingdom of heaven is. It's inside you. It's in your heart life. 
and it's got to filter through there. there and, and like I said, you're, you have to learn to quiet your mind. You have to learn to submit your thoughts to the Lord. And I guarantee you, Joseph had to do this throughout his lifetime. That, you know, sitting there in a jail cell, you've done nothing wrong. You're sold into slavery. You've done nothing wrong, you know, and God's told you that he's going to do these things and you don't even see any possible way how any of that could happen. I promise you he had to bring his thoughts into the obedience of Christ. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 45, turn, turn there to Genesis 45. Let's look at this real quick. We've got a couple of minutes left. Genesis 45. So he's gone through a lot. There's the famine that's going on, and his brothers, you know, they came down because his father sent them. Just read the story. It's, it's just really powerful. But in verse 3, his, his brothers are there, and they, don't, they haven't seen him in so long, they don't know who he is. And in verse 3, he reveals himself. He says, I'm Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. I bet they were. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them because they thought, surely he's dead. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. Wow. And then in verse 5, he says, don't be upset, don't be angry with yourselves for selling this place. It is God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Now, the only way that you can have that kind of response and that kind of set of circumstances is you're going to have to have some strong faith. Faith that totally affects the whole lens of your life. We're not talking about a faith that you use just to get things from God. Okay, we're talking about a faith that's goggles. It's something that you wear every day. It's how you perceive life. It's how you interact in life. It's how you, remember what I said, you know, faith is the currency of heaven. It's how you exchange and do business with God every single day. And it goes on to say, verse 6, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Wow. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now, as I end, I just want you to think about this because, you know, we, we've all been in situations that are hard, that are tough, that seem unfair in the moment. But you have to know and understand lots of times with God, you know, that setback is just a set up. Now, you can't see it at the time. There's no way that you could possibly know it at the time. It just feels like a setback to you, but, but literally it's a setup because God's going before you. So you have to have that kind of faith of going, okay, I know that God loves me. 
I know that God is always working in the background on my behalf, and therefore, I choose to trust God. I choose to have the right attitude. I choose to put this into God's hand, and I believe that God has something better in store for me, even though what I am going through is hard and difficult. See, it is, is your faith persistent? You know, can you say that you have the faith of Joseph as you are sitting here tonight or you're listening over our podcast or watching through one of our media avenues? Can, can you say that? And if you can't say that, then I got good news for you. Your faith can grow. You know, the scripture says God has given to each one a measure of faith, a measure of faith. Now, you can't grow in righteousness. You're as righteous as you'll ever be when you get saved because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is as righteous as you can get. But the Bible says to each is given a measure of faith. In other words, it's measurable. So it can increase or it can decrease. Amen? Faith comes by, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And I can promise you that one of the things that Joseph was doing is he was reminding himself over and over. How could he have possibly said what he said had he not been reminding himself? How could he even have that perspective? I mean, what a perspective. God, can we have that perspective about what we are going through, what we are facing, what we are dealing with? It's like, God, I don't understand why this is going on in my life. I don't understand why this is going on in my family. I don't know why I got laid off from this job. I don't know why that, that loan didn't come through. I don't know why this friendship. I don't, I don't know all the answers to all of that, and neither do you. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to put our faith in God and allow our faith to grow so that it is persistent faith. It's not convenient faith. It's not puffy faith. See, it's a faith that enables you to live life every single day through the good and through the bad, through the ups and the downs. That's how we want to live our lives. And I just think Joseph is such an illustration for all of us of the kind of faith that we want to aspire to have. You know, that kind of faith, that empowers people. You know, when you get around people and you have that, listen, people are desperate to be around people of persistent faith. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you were just really, really struggling and you said to yourself, I've got to get around, I've got to call, I've got to have a meeting with this person because I know that if I get with this person, they're going to speak truth to me, they're going to build me up, they're going to encourage me, they're going to point me to Jesus, they're going to point me to the answer, they're going to take my eyes off of my current circumstances and let me put my eyes on really what is most important. We all rely on people like that, right? Well, here's the goal. We want to be people like that. We want to be people like that. Amen? Y'all get something out of this? Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for 
putting Joseph's story in writing so that we can read about his life and be encouraged by his faith. Lord, help us grow in our faith, that our faith is strong, that it's deep, that it's rooted in a strong foundation in your character and in your word so that when we do face things, we will overcome with persistent faith. And God, when people come to us, we will be able to impart into them persistent faith so that in the end, Lord, we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in into the joy that I have prepared for you. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, God bless you. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless. Thank you.